We've been in this series called uh, Stirred Up. Let us consider, read this with me. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Come on, read it out loud. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I want us to read uh, from John chapter 15 this morning as we begin. I want you to read these. These are the words of Christ. And I want you to ask yourself, what is this speaking to me? What is this saying to me personally? Uh, because the Lord is speaking to us. You know the context. You know what the Lord said in John 14. You're always familiar with, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house or many mansions. I mentioned this last Sunday in our teaching on covenant relationship with Christ. Uh, I want you to read this. And I want you to hear the Lord speak to you this morning. Read out loud with me. Read. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Interesting, when you're reading that, everybody hears this, ask whatever you will. And so people are, man, we're good at asking God for stuff. God, do this. God, do that. God, give me a job. God, give me a car. God, give me this. And I'm not saying that God's not concerned with that. I'm saying that all of that is connected to remaining in him. The topic is he is the vine and we are the branches. So when you see branches connected to the vine and you see the flow, you cannot cut off the vine without cutting off the branches. You can't break the branch off of the vine and expect it to bear fruit. So those things that you will ask for, you will be asking according to the will of God because your priorities and your desires will change according to whether or not you are connected to the vine. I want his will done in my life. Anybody with me on this? I want to be connected. And your connection is also your connection is also realized by your desire to do what he directs you to do, to do his will, to obey his commands. That's a part of being connected. Are you receiving this today? Powerful scripture. Read John 14. Read John 15 this week. In fact, read the entire gospel of John. All right. I mean, I remember one day we gathered, we read the entire gospel of John together. Anybody remember that when we did that? We just came here and just read the entire gospel together. So Read the word. Father, come and be with us as we receive your word today. Be in this place. Open our hearts. Connect us, Lord Jesus, so that we can live according to your purpose and your plan. 
We ask this in the name of Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Last week I so enjoyed our teaching. Uh, I enjoyed the study. I enjoy study. Anybody else enjoy study? Do you just enjoy study? Just enjoy studying the word. Find ways. Find paths. Enjoy the word of God. But Last week, is, uh, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they become one. And then he says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. You know, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Christ and the church. So I, hopefully after last Sunday, you have been stirred up about the covenant, the love covenant that you are in. If you are struggling with sin, Okay, if you're struggling with these things, get into covenant with Jesus. Get into covenant with him. Some of you don't understand this. I'm saying some people are not even ready for marriage yet. One of the reasons you're not ready for marriage is because you don't know anything about covenant. Because if you don't have a covenant with the Lord Jesus, you're going to really struggle having a covenant with somebody else. All right. And if you are wanting to have a great relationship, you, if you're married, make sure that the two of you are pursuing great covenant with the Lord Jesus. If you're pursuing great covenant with the Lord, you will come into great covenant with one another because you will be obedient to God and you will be obedient. You will be submissive to one another and you will not have a problem serving. No one has a great relationship with one another outside of the Lord Jesus. You might say, no, I have some wonderful relationships with my friends who don't know Jesus. Yes, you do have good relationships, but not as it could be if the two of you were in Christ. So uh, I I want you to just embrace this teaching. As I told you a few weeks ago, I believe the best is yet to come. And and, and I've, I've told you about being stirred up. We've talked about this and I have challenged you heavily. I have not held back when I have told you about righteousness and godliness and how it makes a difference in your life. And if you don't hear that, you're really going to have a problem with the word of God because I, I'm going to tell you the truth. I, when I get to heaven and I see Jesus, I don't want him looking at me and say, son, you should have told him the truth. No, I'm going to tell you the truth. And sometimes because you're not in covenant with Christ, it will be painful. But the closer you get to Christ, the more joyful it is and pleasant it is to walk obediently to him. So I mean, people are just stirred up about so many things. People are stirred up about the pandemic. People are stirred up about politics. People are heavily stirred, out, stirred up about a lot of important things, civil rights. But, but our stirring is not the same as the stirring of others. We are stirred up about righteousness. Anybody? We're stirred up living in purity and righteousness is a big deal when it comes to our relationship with God. Our natural bend is is to go with the flow of our flesh, isn't it? And and if you're just walking the flesh, you'll constantly be asking this question, well, is it all right if I do this or do that? If you're married and in an intimate relationship with someone, you don't ever think that way. You know, would it be all right with her? No, you know what you're doing? You know each other. You deeply know one another. And because you're in this deep knowing relationship, you just kind of walk in that, you know? And you don't think, you think it'd be a problem if I just messed around a little bit on this? You don't say that in deep personal relationships and in covenant. So, 
So the enemy knows that unrighteousness robs us of our spiritual power and our divine favor. So he constantly sneaks up to Eve with these really pretty apples and gets us to chew on them. And then we say, well, why is there so much death going on in my life? So he constantly pushes us along that path. So how much we miss out in life due to unrighteousness? Because unrighteousness tells us, man, you are really missing out because of that Christianity. But no, in, in a righteous covenant relationship, we know how much truly, spiritually, providentially we miss out on because we're not following him. So we're, we're not helpless. We're not helpless in this. How many know that Jesus is with us? Our risen Lord, Jesus Christ, has given us victory over sin, every form of unrighteousness. Come on. And he's told us, Paul boldly says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. So we have power. There's power in righteousness. So this should stir you up more than righteousness should stir you up more than a presidential election. Godliness should stir you up. So we want to march for justice. Amen. This is good. And posting and shouting because of things in this world that have stirred you up. But maybe you should march around your own house. Jesus. Maybe you should march your whole family around and sit down with the family and have some confession time. Embrace your children and let them know the truth because the truth hurts sometimes. So I've got a sign. I'm going to march. Maybe we ought to speak the truth about Jesus and about relationship with Jesus. Maybe we should put a cross up in our front yard and talk. Come on. And talk about the cross when you sit down and when you rise up and when, you, when they go to school, when they go home. Be stirred to love and good works because God wants you to know that he is raising you up. All right? Now, we got some purpose here. So today I want to talk to you about and tell you, stir up your purpose. In fact, why don't you look at somebody and say, stir up your purpose. Go ahead, stir up. That's a good that's a good preacher thing to do right there. All right, right? Stir up your purpose. You need to stir up your purpose. Anybody, when you grab something out of the refrigerator and you got to shake it up a little bit, don't you always? I mean, you don't, I mean, I mean you, get, you get a cup of coffee, you just want to, got to work that in, you know? Sometimes you go to like these fancy Starbucks places and I have some things on top and some things right here and, and, and you got to stir it all up because if you don't stir it up, it, it doesn't have the flavor, you know? Some things have to be, you know, like if you're good, if you got like a really nice salad dressing, you don't want, you, you want to make sure it's kind of stirred and worked into everything. You know, you don't get the orange juice out of your refrigerator and just pour it because, you know, if it's got all that good stuff down in the bottom, you shake it up. God's people need to be stirred up, shaken up, but not just so, you know, we can jump up and down. I got stirred up in church today. It's got to be more than just that you had a good time. I want to have a good time, but he wants to stir us up. So when we leave this place, we're on purpose and our world, everyone is stirred up about something. And sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes people are just stirred up. 
I'm just, what's up? I don't know. Just stirred up. We call that anxiety. Just stirred up. What are you going to do? Don't know. So stirred up with a don't know is just aggravating. So, so, so ask yourself when you're stirred up and the Lord is dealing with you, does, does this stirring, does this matter in the kingdom of God? Is this something God is calling me to do something about? What is my purpose? When I do what I feel like I'm about to do, will the Lord look at me one day and say, well done? Those are the questions because sometimes we get stirred up and just punch somebody. And you think, well, I just, you know, I just felt, I was all stirred up. I just, I'm not asking you just to get stirred up. I'm asking you to be stirred up on purpose, to be stirred up for your purpose. Things are happening around the city. Have you noticed that? You, you, have you ever driven like down Laskin Road and noticed that there are lanes that are blocked? Have you been to the oceanfront and noticed that there are people that are building onto their hotels? Did you notice that? There used to be an Applebee's restaurant on First Colonial. Somebody tore it down. Evidently, Applebee's shut down a bunch of restaurants, but they tore it down, and they're building some buildings there. And here's my expectation. It's going to be one of those buildings that they can rent out a few different spaces to for smaller stores. They're, what they're doing is they're looking uh, more intently on what they could do with that piece of property. They're kind of looking ahead, you know, there's road construction going on around. Someone is finally focusing. And I saw the works at the corner at the intersection of Laskin and First Colonial where they've changed the traffic lights. There's duct tape hanging from the traffic lights there. I don't know how that happened, but evidently duct tape fixes some things, but it don't last. You need some other things. But, But I was looking at that because really what they want to do is eventually destroy all of these pesky service roads. When I moved here in 1986, they were saying, we're going to tear down all these pesky service roads. And uh, they, they haven't done it. I don't know who they are. I mean, Mayor Myra was here then, okay? And they were talking about it. And they're still talking about it. And, but now I'm seeing some things happen down around Laskin Road. I'm seeing them make some changes. And I guess what they are anticipating is that eventually there will be large crowds coming down Laskin Road to Virginia Beach. Now, when the pandemic started, we had already prepared some things. And then we had some questions. I mean, look around the room right now. Look at the carpet on the floor. Do you remember what it used to look like? I mean, go ahead and lean back in that nice chair that you purchased. Go ahead and lean back. Notice you got some back support now. Notice that, all right? It's just, it's a better chair. And I don't know that you needed this or not, but the seat is wider than it used to be, okay? We won't talk about that. But the seat is wider. It's nicer. It's more comfortable to be in. And I remember when the pandemic started, the question was, should we just hold some of that funding and not think about it? But here's what my thought was. We're going to have people come back. So you can't just stop everything because you went into a season of difficulty. It seems like this has been a season of nothing, but I would say it's been a season of change and preparation for what God wants to do next. I know that things could change dramatically in the future. 
But God's people are here on purpose. That's what he's talking about in John chapter 14. We're still on purpose. You say, yeah, but there's something called COVID. I know, but God is bigger than COVID-19. You are the righteousness of God. You are a chosen generation. You are called of God. And our scripture tells us that we are called to do greater things, greater works as Christ's body on this earth. Jesus said, I'm going to, I'm going to call you to do even greater things. What are the greater works? What are those greater things? I'll tell you what it is. Literally millions of people coming into the kingdom of God through your ministry, through your work. You understand that Jesus started something and he planted this thing, but he says to his disciples and he says to us, I'm going to the Father. And because of this, because I'm going to the Father, you're going to do even greater things. You know, I made this decision as a little boy to serve the Lord Jesus in September of 1965, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was a supernatural moment. You say, no, it was a cute moment. It was really cute because you were sitting by your mom in church and you started crying and you wanted to go pray and you think it was just cute. Well, it might've been cute because I was a cute little boy at five years old. Cute, really cute. Kindergarten and all that. But Jesus saved me supernaturally. Now get this. When he saved me, he saved me with a plan. He didn't just check it off and say, cut that one saved. No, he saved me with a plan and a purpose in his life. I have a lot of other memories during that time. I remember the first time I stood up in front of a congregation and sang. I remember that clearly. I remember singing in a choir when I was five and six years old. I remember having a little solo with my brother standing up on the platform of a church in Hamilton and, and, and uh, declaring that uh, God is a covenant God. It was a, it was a country gospel song, I think, called There's a Rainbow, you know, that no matter what's going on in your life, there's a rainbow that God has placed and he's going to protect you. That's right. That's what the rainbow is really about. Just thought I'd tell you. All right. So. And there's some other things that God knew about when he saved me. He knew about my wife, Diana. He knew about my children. He knew about my struggles. He knew me before I knew him, and he had a purpose for my life. And I'm not the richest man in the world. I'm not as tall as I intended to be. I don't have the muscles that some of you uh, have or think you have. but, But I am what God designed. I am here by divine design. I was saved on purpose. Are there any saved people in the room right now? Is there anybody that God, anybody that has given their life to the Lord Jesus, wave at me. God didn't save you just so you could get to heaven one day. He has a purpose, but sometimes it's sitting in the back of the refrigerator in a carton that seems like it's been expired for years, and you're almost afraid to be stirred up about spiritual things and the calling that God has on your life. He'd like to shake you up during the this pandemic time because he wants to fill this house and fill other houses. He wants people to be set free and he wants to use you for that purpose. God intended to save you and position you. In fact, I want to tell you this. You are chosen to be here. 
He said, I just stumbled in the door. Nope. Didn't just stumble in the door. You are chosen to be here. You've thought about leaving before, but you didn't. I like the scripture in John 15. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. I, I love that scripture in John 15. But, but, but when he looks at that, he says, you are chosen and appointed. Say that with me. You are chosen and appointed. And you're appointed to produce. Therefore, you should be stirred up to fulfill his purpose in your life. Now, your vocation on this planet is only a part of your purpose. Constantly see these moments, you know, like interviews with somebody and, you know, the host will say something like, so what do you do? And they, people go immediately to, well, you know, I work at the shipyard, you know, or I'm a, I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse, and those things are all good. And everything you do, you should do it under the Lord. But I'm just waiting for somebody when they ask that question, well, what do you do? Well, I'm connected with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm producing fruit for the kingdom of God, and people are coming into the kingdom. Hallelujah. I mean, it would just really mess up the interview process. Listen, you should be stirred up to fulfill his purpose in your life. First Peter 2, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you say, no, that's, he's just talking to preachers. No, he's talking to you. Amen. Let, me, let me show you another scripture that I love. It's Psalm 92, 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Read that out loud with me. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Uh, one of our uh, uh, great ladies of the church, founders of the church, it was a sister named Helen Bolova. That's Steve Bolova's mama, okay? And uh, a dear friend and was here when I uh, attended, when I came here as a pastor and for years. In fact, Jesse, in fact, Jesse Voliva, Steve's dad, actually helped us move in when we moved here in 1986. He watched the kids while everybody unloaded the truck. But uh, Helen, Helen had a uh, uh, history all the way back to when she first came to Jesus Christ and, and uh, how, she, uh, how she accepted the Lord Jesus. But also when this original community was, uh, uh, she was a part of a, a, a Bible study and this community was formed. And so Helen uh, tells the story. She used to tell the story. She's with Jesus right now, but she used to tell the story how she was in a Bible study and they were in this Bible study. And one day the, the leader of the Bible study looked around him and said, some of you people in this place should not be here and you need to, you need to find some place. And Helen said it was like he was talking to her. And so she left. <laughs> and uh, if not, she would have been somewhere else. So I just want to make sure that I handled this really well, because that was like back in 1949, all right? Uh, some, some, some believers who were together in a small community that were in the wrong place. So I want to be clear. I want to, so, so let me tell you something. Those who are watching, those who are in the room, you were chosen to be right here. Welcome to Freedom Fellowship. You're not 
here by accident, God somehow in his divine plan brought you here. So God sent me to tell you, you should not be disappearing. You shouldn't be looking elsewhere. This is a time, come on, this is not a time for retreat. It's not a time for surrender. It's not a time to get your feelings hurt and quit. It's a harvest time. It's September and I can hear the tractors heating up and I can see that the fields are ripe and ready for a harvest. Welcome to freedom, brothers and sisters. Let's do something for the kingdom of God. We've had growth during this season. New members increased uh, increased giving, refurbished auditorium, vision for new ministry, increased benevolence. It's like, wait a minute, pastor, there's a pandemic going on. Listen, I have been through trouble, but I know this, we are flourishing right now. I've been through those times when it seemed dry and weary, and I just wondered what was going to happen next, but that's not what this preacher feels in his heart right now. You need to stir up your purpose and get ready to do something for the kingdom of God. We're a hybrid church where everyone everywhere and people say, well, you know, I hate that. Well, I praise God. Aren't you glad that we're online like we've never been online before? Aren't you thankful for that, that tech has surged and we've increased? But hear me loudly. God planted you in this house and you're going to flourish in the house of the Lord. Understand this. You are on a spiritual journey. You are somewhere on the spiritual continuum and you need to know where you are. And you need to know what's next because it's beautiful and it's glorious and it's your best. And God's stirring us up together. Psalm 16, 11, you will know, you will show me the path of life in your presence. In your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Somebody shout, that's for me. Come on, read it with me. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You think, no, there's pleasure out there. No, there's pleasure when you're stirred up in the kingdom of God. So secondly, I want to say this to us. God has great plans for you. Amen. I'm looking at you. God has great plans for you. In Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to look at this. I, I, the apostle writes and he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then he says some things. So that you may know him better. I want wisdom and revelation. No. So that you may know Jesus better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. See, we, I, just, I need to be enlightened. Why do you want to be enlightened? So that you may know the hope to which he has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And finally says, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So notice that there's a progression in the scripture. You know, that we should know him intimately. And uh, that's a powerful, that's a, that, that word know him is a covenant word. You understand that? It's a covenant, marriage covenant to truly know. That your eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And, and I, I have these, I, I don't know why I have these. I need to toss these in a box somewhere. 
Anybody have old glasses? Anybody have some old prescriptions that you used to wear? So I used to wear these, okay? Now, I don't, uh, I don't need them anymore, all right? In fact, I look really cool when I put them on. Some of you might remember when I used to wear these, these Oakleys, okay? But, um, okay, so uh, I have no vision issues in my left eye, okay? I put these on. I, you guys look so weird right now to me. It's so weird. Some of you are kind of, kind of floating. I can't see your eyes. All right? You know why? These glasses are too strong for me because as I aged, my eyes have gotten better. Okay? I just want to help some of you with that because some people don't know that your eyes can get better as you age. You think, no, your eyes get worse as you age. Maybe the reading thing seems to go, but I can read perfectly fine. It's a little distance I have issues with is all I have. So, But... Uh, I want you to get some revelation here because some of you are looking through glasses from years gone by. And the Lord has changed your vision, but you're still looking through your old glasses. All right? You're still looking through your old hurts and your old difficulties and your old wounds, still holding issues. You got stuff against people. And anytime you think about doing something for God, all you can do is look through those old glasses of that one time you tried and it didn't work. And, and somebody said something that hurt your feelings. You know, you were going to raise up something. You, weren't gonna, you were going to do ministry. Listen, you need revelation and wisdom because you got to see the new things that God wants to do. And then you you will know when you get the vision that God wants you to have, then you will know the hope to which he has called you. And then all the rest is just about purpose. God wants you to know that he's created you on purpose for a purpose, but you can't see if you're still looking through yesterday's glasses. Hope and calling. These words are connected. They're so powerful. You're never going to find hope circumstantially. You're going to find hope when you finally, by the Spirit of Christ, recognize why you are on this planet. Once you know that you're here on purpose, for a purpose, that becomes your source of hope. So you have too many stories not to know that if it had not been for God. Anybody got some of those stories? Wave at me. Anybody got that story? You know, if it had not been for God. Anybody got that? If it had not been for God. Anybody got that story? Wave at me. You got that story? If it had not been for God, I wouldn't be here right now. If it had not been for God, I wouldn't be in this relationship. If I hadn't been for God, if it hadn't been for God, I would starve. You know you are here because of God. And you just think God tossed you a chocolate chip cookie when you were hungry. And I'm telling you that God raised you up for a purpose. And your hope is not going to be found in, I need my job to be better. Your hope is not found in your politics. No, my eyes are now fixed on things that are not seen. You have an inheritance, the scripture says. And it's not just yours alone. You are with a group of people that are receiving this inheritance together. Psalm 2 and 8 says this. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. You said nations, nations. He's talking about people. He said if you will ask me, my purpose for you is to uh, invade, to impact the world. There are people that need Jesus. And because you have become a part of the kingdom, them, others are going to know him. 
So before you decide to sit quietly on the sidelines until the pandemic is over, remember, God intends for you to be busy fulfilling his purpose. He has a plan for you right now. You are his child now, and you are here to know him. And here's the process. I, I just got some nuggets I'm going to give you right now as we wrap this up on this process because I have process for everyone in the house. It was in January of this past year. I'd spent some time out of town. And uh, in that time that I was there, I got to spend some time with uh, some of my favorite leaders and got to be preached to. And then I came home and a pandemic happened. Came home with a stack of stuff to do, things that God wanted to stir up in the church. And then everybody left. (laughs) So you might say that's a problem. No. Because God's timing is spectacular. So I want to talk to you about this season that is before us right now. And it's based on scripture in Matthew 17, 21. Uh, But it's, it's this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. You like the scripture? Now read the last part. But he who does the will of my father. Okay. Now you just stir that up a little bit in your heart. There are people that are saying, Lord, Lord, but they're just, and this is really what the Lord was saying, they're just really religious people who just kind of walk in the door, do this and do that, and walk out the door. Do you hear what I'm telling you? So just saying you're a Christian does not mean that you are being a Christian. And that comes out of relationship with the Lord Do you believe that we are called to do the will of the Father? Anybody believe that we're called to do the will of the Father? So just four things. One, first of all, you're called to know God. You're called to know him. This is not just about attending church. It's much more, okay? All right, so I said this last week, so I'm going to emphasize it again. Stop playing house with Jesus. Marry him. Stop just visiting Jesus on the weekends. Hello? Can I get a yes for some believers in the house? It's like, yeah, I go to church. I have this thing on the side with Jesus. Hello? Fall head over heels in love with him. Throw away the toy kitchen and go into deep personal relationship with Jesus. Know God. Somebody say it. Know God. Gnosko is the word. Know God. It's a marriage covenant word. Secondly, find freedom. We used to use that as our opening discipleship course. Find freedom. So when I say that, James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's a a strange statement, but I I want you just to embrace this for a moment. Find freedom, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. What he's saying here, (laughs) confess your sins. This is so strange. I mean, we don't mind talking to Jesus. This was a big deal growing up as, you know, we don't, we're not a people that talk to others about what's going on in our lives. We just take it to Jesus. That's not what Jesus said. 
That's not what the Bible says. Yes, confess your sins to the Lord, but confess your sins to others. And other, you might say, well, why should I confess my sins to others? Aren't you tired of the shame that is controlling your life? Do you know there are people in this room that have so many secrets and they're wondering why they can't step forward, they can't take the next step? It's because you haven't found a brother or sister that you, come on, that you trust enough to say, this is what my life really has looked like. Because when you confess to Christ and you confess to other, a healing takes place and shame loses its stranglehold on your life. Can I get a yes from somebody who's been there and experienced that? Truly be free. The Living Waters Conference that's coming up. The kinship. Go to God for forgiveness, but go to God's people for healing. Stop living in secret. Catch someone in the front yard. FaceTime somebody. Facebook Messenger somebody. Talk to someone. Someone that you're spiritually and personally connected with. We need more than Bible lessons in church. We need each other. Find freedom. Discover your purpose. Discover purpose. This is, uh, there's an issue of stagnation in Christians in general. Because we can build mega churches, but we can't build mega Christians. Is this okay to preach on Sunday? I used to study Barna Research a lot. Uh, but uh, one, of his, one of the things that they came up was, 87% of people in churches don't know what part of the body they are. And I just want you to think about that for a moment, okay? What if my hand thought it was a leg? It would constantly be going someplace that it shouldn't be. And then I would want to pick up something and I would end up stepping on it instead. What if my ear thought it was an eye? I, would, I, I couldn't drive like this constantly. And if I put, I put headphones on, what if my eyes thought they were ears? 1 Corinthians 12 says we, are all, we, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. In other words, we all have different parts. We are all different parts. Everybody's not the preacher on Sunday. Everybody's not the singer. But then we have other things to do other than just on Sunday. Everybody has a purpose in the kingdom of God. Story about a groundhog dog. Anybody heard of the groundhog races? Anybody heard of those? They still do those? Are they still legal? Okay, I don't know, but... I've seen groundhog. I said I said groundhog. Greyhound, greyhound, groundhog dog, groundhogs. Anybody seen? That was in Kentucky where I was born. We had groundhog races, but greyhound dog races. So a bunch of greyhounds are out running a race, and a mechanical rat rabbit blew up. So, and it was very strange because uh, it just exploded. So. The greyhounds didn't know what to do. And some of them just stopped and started howling. And some of them laid down on the track because there was nothing to do and took a nap. And some of them actually jumped over the walls and hurt themselves. Which kind of says what's happening in the church. When they don't have a purpose, they take naps, they howl and hurt themselves. 
And that's all we do in the church, taking care of everybody that's hurt themselves. And everybody's just, and, and then the others that are just taking naps and waiting for next Sunday. Hello? So you have to discover your purpose. You have to discover your purpose. Now you might say, how am I going to do that? Well, I've already told you the first, you got to get to know God. Some of you are trying to serve your purpose, but you don't even know God yet. All right. And, 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 and some of us are trying to discover our purpose, but we haven't found freedom yet. All right. We need to take these steps. We need to get to know God. And then we need to, we need to not only get to know God, but at the same time, we need to find our freedom. We need to be set free, discover our purpose. And then finally, and then I'm done. We got to make a difference. Because John 15, 18, it says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Bear much fruit. How much fruit should you bear? How much fruit should we bear? How much? Much fruit. Now, does God already have his hand on your life? How many would say yes? He's already got my, his hand on my life. So come on, stand with me while I finish this sermon. So before you decide just to sit quietly on the sidelines until the pandemic is over, remember... God has a plan for you and he has a purpose. And my calling is more than to preach to you on Sundays. Get this. Listen to me. My calling from heaven is to cultivate you. I uh, have in my shed, I have a garden hoe, rakes, shovels. I could have a really good garden in my backyard. If I would shovel, (laughs) if I would rake, prepare the ground. Can I tell you something? I don't really feel a calling to that. I feel a calling to Kroger's. I feel a calling to Guads, Cracker Barrel, out back. Come on, I can get an amen from somebody that hasn't had lunch. I like the idea that there are other people that can grow and cook for me. But I know my purpose, so I don't have a real problem with this right now. I mean, maybe one day I'll get into it again. I mean, I've grown some squash and zucchini and some things over the years, but, but I'm just saying in my heart, that doesn't seem like I'm driven to right now. Now, some of you in the church right now, you might say, well, I don't know where I am. And look at me, I want you to say, that's okay. I don't know right now. That's because right now you need to know God. I want you to pray. I want you to read the word. I want you to get in some community. I want you to join a Zoom group. I want you to start to grow in the kingdom of God. You know, as you join Freedom, one of the things that we do is we give you, we pay for you a subscription to Right Now Media. We just give you a a password. You just go at it and you can just study all you want. But we, we do studies here. I do studies on Wednesdays. We have youth group. We have children's ministry. You think kids ministry is so, or youth group is so you don't have to watch your kids. No, it's so we can disciple your kids so they will know God. Now you've had, some of you have carried the same mess in your life for the last 20 years. Somebody say, God wants me over that. Anybody know that? Now he will use your wounds for your purpose. Does that make sense to anybody? As you get through it, he will take you back like Moses and he will help bring others out. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. And God wants you to make a difference. But right now you may be, I need to get to know God right now. 
You know, Bobby, just gave your life to Jesus right now. God has a purpose for your life. Right now, you're just getting to know him, and you're working on that finding freedom thing. You know what I'm saying? You're working on that, getting set free, just getting all that mess out of my life. But one day, in fact, sooner than you realize, you'll be so busy bringing other people into the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I, uh, Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for what you've taught us. And we thank you for the high hopes that we have, dear Lord Jesus, that you will do great and mighty things. We thank you, Lord, for the miracles that you have already provided for us. And now I pray for my people. Lord, you have called them and positioned them here. But you have not positioned us just so that we would have fellowship, even though that is a priority in this body. You have positioned all of us to be a part of the kingdom of God. You are calling us to be used to make ways in the wilderness. You have called us to be a part of the streams and the desert places. You have called us in this, li- in this world where things are so wrong. You have called us to make a difference. And we invite you now, Holy Spirit. Come on, lift your hands with me. We invite you, Holy Spirit. Take us. Take us on the journey to purpose. Take us on the journey till we can hear your calling and be used for your glory and your purpose. In the name of Jesus, stand there for a moment and let the Holy Spirit speak to you right in the middle of this word. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Where are you? What place are you right now? Are you just getting to know God? Are you just discovering freedom right now? Or are you at that place right now where God has done enough in your life that you are ready to discover your purpose the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let him whisper to you. Now, wherever you are, I want you to know that ultimately God is going to use you to make a difference. I want you to say this to him. Lord, I thank you. Say, Lord, I thank you because you're going to use me to make a difference. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Open your communion with me. Would you do that? Open your communion. Prepare to receive it. Get the bread out, out of the bottom, and then open the top so that you can have the juice. You're not in this by yourself. Somebody thank God, I'm not in this by myself. Take the bread in your hand. You believe in Jesus, shout yes if you believe in him. You confess, are you ready to follow the Lord Jesus? Do you want to know God? Do you want to know him? This bread is the body of Christ. We're apart. We're in this together. Take and receive the bread. this cup, the blood of Christ, the blood of the new covenant. We're all a part of the body of Christ. We all have a part to play. We have received forgiveness. We have entered and we are sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. We thank you, Lord, for your blood that was poured out for us. Take and receive the cup. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Come on, let's give him thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the covenant we're in. Lord, I bless this group of people now. And I ask, Lord, that you would rest upon them. I ask, Lord, that you would raise them up for your purpose in the kingdom. Use them, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, this week, let them begin to discover. 
Let them begin to discover where they are and what your plan is for their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you move, some of my prayer workers are going to come over here. Perhaps you're at that phase one or phase two. Perhaps you're at that place where you just need to get to know God. I'd like you to meet somebody over here to my right. They'd like to pray with you. Perhaps you're carrying wounds in your life. You need somebody to pray for you. Something's going on in your life. These individuals will pray with you. Go ahead. I invite you first of all before anyone else to come forward so someone can pray with you. But as you're leaving, you can still begin to move forward and someone will pray for you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. God bless you all. You are dismissed. Thank you online for joining us. We love you so much. Sing.